Donald Trump, Trump used to be a Democrat too, and he's the president of the United States. Well, so is Ronald Reagan. There's no real comparing Donald Trump and, and Mike Braun, although Mike Braun wants to say that there is. Uh, Stay tuned. That's just part of what's ahead in our bonus content. More conversation coming up after this week's edition of In Focus. Exploring the issues that matter most in Indiana. This is In Focus with Dan Spieler. So many headlines this week in what's been called the GOP's nastiest primary right here in Indiana. Talking about the Republican primary for U.S. Senate. Luke Messer, Mike Braun, Todd Rokita. Some more news on Braun this week and Rokita changing his mind on appearing at the final debate. He also faced some pushback over his campaign signs. But the very next day, it was Messer who found himself under scrutiny because of two DUIs back when he was in his 20s. When Messer started out in politics, he was chosen to replace a state lawmaker who had been killed by a drunk driver. But according to our partners at the Indy Star, Messer did not disclose the DUIs on his record to all the party leaders who chose him for that seat. And I'm joined now by Indy Star reporter Tony Cook, one of two reporters who broke this story about Luke Messer. And Tony, we've seen politicians who've had DUIs in their past. The context here is that this wasn't fully disclosed when he was chosen to serve on the state legislature and replace someone who uh, had just been killed by uh, a drunk driver. What is the Messer campaign saying at this point about all of this? And, and what aren't they saying? Yeah, well, we've, we've asked to speak with uh, Congressman Messer about this. He's declined our interview requests. Uh, but the campaign is uh, saying that he, that this information has been out there for a while, that he has expressed remorse uh, for those actions. Uh, this was back in the 1990s. He was in his 20s. And that, uh, you know, it's they're attributing it to other campaigns um, and saying that this is just an effort to attack them in light of the U.S. Senate race. Um, but I think the context is really important here. Uh, in 2003, as you said, he was uh, seeking to replace a lawmaker who had been killed by a drunk driver. And most of the local Republican Party officials who were involved in making that decision told us that they were not aware that he had two DUIs at the time this decision was made. Um, some of those folks learned about it years later when it was disclosed. One of the DUIs was disclosed in 2009, so that would have been six years later in one of the local papers. The other DUI wasn't disclosed until publicly until uh, two the 2012 uh, U.S. congressional campaign. And so, um, you know, a lot of folks who were involved in that decision at the time were surprised to learn about this. Many of them didn't know about it until we called them uh, this past week and, t and asked if they were aware of it at the time. Um, so the question here is, you know, should he have disclosed this information to the people who were making that decision? And then, of course, it's pure speculation as to what kind of impact that would have had on the race. Uh, but certainly, you know, some folks that we talked to who were involved in that decision said he probably wouldn't even have been a candidate if that information had been known at the time. And of course, the question now is what kind of impact will this news have in this Senate race, especially as uh, stories are emerging left and right about a number of the candidates. Todd Rokita uh, just had the piece dealing with his time as Secretary of State. Mike Braun uh, dealing with some of the stories about his time in the legislature and, and different bills that may have benefited uh, some of his financial interests. How do you think this particular story uh, will be perceived by the Republican 
primary electorate? I think that's a good question. I mean, on one hand, you know, this disclosure goes back to a Republican process and a sort of inter-party decision that was made. Uh, so that may resonate with some people, especially in the Shelbyville area. On the other hand, you know, a lot of people are pretty forgiving towards the DUI itself. They recognize it happened many years ago. Uh, during an appearance on a local uh, talk radio show, uh, Congressman Messer explained that you know, he's had no other DUIs uh, since then, and you know, there's no reason to believe that he has any kind of problem now. Uh, and so you know, a lot of people are going to be probably pretty forgiving towards his, uh, the DUIs themselves. Uh, the question, I think, is how will they feel about his decision not to disclose that at the time. Indy Star reporter Tony Cook, thank you so much for joining us today. We appreciate it. Meantime, this week, a new candidate entering the race. 30-year-old entrepreneur Nathan Altman announced his candidacy as an independent. But can he get enough signatures just to get on the ballot? A lot of developments this week. Matt Smith has more. So, you know, it was kind of fun. Nathan Altman doesn't dress the part, and he doesn't even talk the part. The 30-year-old Carmel native and Purdue grad helped launch the Tech Hub's developer town and speakeasy in Indianapolis. He's jumping headfirst into politics and Indiana's U.S. Senate race. Because we're so divided. Altman faces numerous uphill battles, a contentious and costly three-way Republican primary. Luke Messer, Todd Rokita, and Mike Braun all trying to unseat Democratic Senator Joe Donnelly. Altman attempting to run as an independent must first collect more than 26,000 signatures by the end of June to even appear on the November ballot. I'm hoping that, uh, that I resonate with a lot of folks that, that feel either in the middle or feel that they don't, aren't, aren't represented. From the start, his approach is unconventional. You won't find any positions on key issues anywhere on his campaign website or in our interview. It's important to build that system first and then we break apart the issue and we go we go deep into it and understand. There's always room for an independent. There's not room for a winning independent. Altman says winning isn't necessarily the ultimate end game. No, I, that's why I'm running a different type of campaign. I'm not, you know, winning is, winning will happen if we accomplish the mission, in my opinion. All right, meantime, numerous controversies in Washington this week as the president continues to deal with multiple investigations while navigating complicated talks with foreign leaders. This week, I spoke with Indiana Congressman Andre Carson and Senator Todd Young. Among the topics, North Korea. The president tweeting about the latest news Friday saying North Korea has agreed to suspend all nuclear tests and close up a major test site. He says, quote, this is very good news for North Korea and the world. Big progress. Look forward to our summit. The VP also tweeting, quote, maximum pressure is working. Earlier in the week, I spoke with Senator Young about Mike Pompeo's secret trip to meet with the North Korean leader and the confirmation process that's been anything but smooth. You're on the Foreign Relations Committee, and so I want to ask you about Mike Pompeo. You've said you support his nomination, but this week we learned he's already been to North Korea to discuss some of the talks that are being worked on for later this year. Is that something Congress, specifically uh, your committee, should have been uh, told about initially? And are you concerned at all about uh, the possibility of, 
of his confirmation vote uh, not getting a thumbs up from the Senate. Now, governments, even democracies, need to be able to keep secrets, especially on something as sensitive as our relations uh, with uh, North Korea and uh, their dictatorship as our president looks to uh, sit down uh, with uh, the administration. Mike Pompeo clearly uh, manifested through his visit with Kim Jong-un has earned the trust uh, and the confidence of this president. He's also earned the confidence of world leaders, uh, which will be essential uh, as uh, uh, Secretary of State. So um, we need a strong, intelligent uh, person like Mom, Mike Pompeo, who I served with in the House of Representatives, who graduated first in his class from West Point uh, to serve in that role. And my hope would be that in a bipartisan fashion, he'll, uh, he'll be confirmed in coming days. Mitch McConnell said this week he would not be calling to the floor the bill that would protect the special counsel investigation that does seem to have support of some Senate Republicans. Do you think that bill should be called for a vote? And when it comes to the broader topic of congressional oversight, is is Congress performing that role adequately if they don't take that sort of action? Yeah, I think we need to let the committee process work. I've been very encouraged that Chairman Grassley has indicated uh, that they're going to continue to hold hearings on this matter, to to mark up legislation. And I want to follow those debates uh, very closely uh, before I make up my mind about a matter that is as consequential as uh, the the scope of Article II or presidential powers. I think it's unfortunate. I think we need to protect Mueller to preserve our democracy and work toward a more perfect union. I think if we have an independent investigatory apparatus, making sure the president is honest, making sure that we've covered all of our tracks in terms of Russia's influence in our electoral process, if there's nothing to be found, then no one should be worried. My Republican friends are running incumbents for Congress for re-election. They don't want this to muddy the political waters. They want to preserve their membership. And for good reason, because the American people are upset. And many of my Republican friends are complaining to me about the actions of the administration. So this is more political than it is about ethics. Uh, Democrats announcing today that they're filing a lawsuit claiming Russia, Trump, WikiLeaks conspired uh, conspired to disrupt the 2016 election, the campaign that is. Is there a danger in taking this too far before everything is known? Well, I think that it's important to look at WikiLeaks. I think it's important to look at members of Trump's campaign talking to Russian officials. I think um, as we're seeing more unfold each and every day, it is clear that there were some things that happened that were probably beyond ethical restraints. Uh, But the greater question becomes, how will the American people respond to this barrage of revelations? And will people be upset enough to go out and show up to the polls? All right, up next, Vice President Pence returns to Indiana next week while his brother runs for Congress and heads to New York City. We'll tell you who he's meeting with there tomorrow. And the race for Senate, our panel weighs in on the latest news next. All right, time to bring in our panel now. Former Communications Director for the Indiana Democrats, Jennifer Wagner, Vice Chair of the Indiana Trump Campaign in 2016, Tony Samuel, along with former Marion County GOP Executive Director Joey Fox, former GOP lawmaker Mike Murphy. We have a number of Republicans here on the panel today to uh, reflect some That's different viewpoints yeah. on this primary. You're a little outnumbered down there. Uh, but, Mike, I'll start with you. This news about Luke Messer's 
past DUIs. He was in his 20s when they happened. But the context here, replacing someone in the legislature who had been killed by a drunk driver, will this be damaging to Messer in the primary? Well, it, it is old news to some degree, just like some of the bad news about Todd Rakita has been old news in the last couple of weeks. But you have to expect that to be dredged back up. Um, it's particularly personal for me because I was uh, Roland Stein's seatmate in this session, the only session he had in the State House. Um, I think Messer has done as good a job this week as he can of trying to put it, put it back down again. And it's really up to the voters. Is that important to them, or is that what I would call a, a youthful mistake? Um, I can't judge that. Um, I do know that we often say there, but for the grace of God go I. I don't think there's any adult over the age of 20 who could not have been pulled over at some time and be in danger of being arrested. So you just don't know. Joey, uh, you're supporting Luke Messer in the primary. Tony, you've endorsed Todd Rokita, so I imagine two of you might have uh, different viewpoints on this uh, with Rokita's team calling this a sin of omission uh, from Messer. Do you see it that way? Well, it wasn't omitted, so I don't know how it could be a sin of omission. There was mailers done against Messer in 2012, I think, using using this very issue. Um, he did talk to to the Stein family. He's, he's said that he was in his he was in his 20s. The Indy Stars had this story since 2009. And they had it again in, of course, 10, still had it in 12, and never, never ran with it. Now we're here 19 days out from an election, and, and we run it. Luke has acknowledged his, his mistakes and said, look, let's move on. We need, to be talking about, we need to be talking about policy and what's good. Luke Messer is the best candidate for Senate, and that's why you're starting to see all these attacks come out now. Hit job or something substantial here? Substantial in that what I don't think has come out before, and the main thrust of the, the, the Indy Star piece this week, was that he didn't disclose it to the voters that put him in to the legislative seat, Roland Stein's seat, a month after Roland was killed. And he, he should have because of the circumstances. I think everyone that was quoted that was a precinct committeeman or a, a, a official in that district at the time that was voting in that caucus uh, said that they did not know about Quickly, it. Quickly, the statement here from uh, the campaign, from the Messer campaign, they refer to this as more last-minute uh, dirty tricks from the Rokita team, Tony. I, I, I don't think that's the case at all. I mean, like, like Joey and, and uh, Mike, I think, have said, this was out there. I think the difference is the Star did more digging into that caucus that took place. And that was key. This is personal for me, too. I was the communications director for the House Republican Caucus. I remember that night about to leave and hearing the news and staying and having to talk to the state police and, and uh, put out a statement from Speaker Bosman, then deal with the aftermath like Mike did uh, as well. And it's sad that it's back. But what is relevant to voters is that Luke didn't tell those folks that had to decide if he was the right person to replace The Messer Rollins campaign Stein. saying he told some of them, maybe not all of them were told about it. It's it kind of hard to parse through some of well, this, right? As the Indy Star article said, some, some of them did know and, and, and others didn't. We can, we can go back to that time and parse through this. I think the question we need to ask now is, this is apropos of, of what? What, are we, what, are, what is trying to be said here by pushing this story out 19, 19 days ahead? He's acknowledged his, he's acknowledged his mistakes. Is, has you know has and has moved moved on from this has served honorably in office and is the best candidate for Senate and that's where we are now and I don't want to beat him up yeah. on this everybody everybody makes mistakes that's sure, absolutely sure. true the problem here is that this is a, a, another uh, big piece of baggage for for Luke mess for his campaign along with the residency issue and, and the other issue on on, on his wife's salary so that's that's the real problem. It's certainly a distraction for Luke Messer, but I think that the reason it is 
relevant, even 19, 20 years later, is because every candidate, I don't care if it's Braun, Messer, or Akita, deserves to be judged on their judgment as a person. And this is one case, two cases, where judgment, appropriate judgment was not used. And I think everybody needs, he needs to stand up and own it, which he's, I guess he's trying to do now, or he has done in the past, just like Rokita has to stand up and acknowledge any mis, misjudgments he's made in his life as and well. The, and any of Braun's, you know, underpaying his workers and, you know, having, well, having I was to mention, go, there, having, there having are some stories this, this week about Braun as well, uh, his campaign facing new questions about uh, his business practices, the Rokita campaign facing controversy uh, this week because of yard signs uh, like this one here. The AP reports that President Trump's re-election campaign believes uh, these signs gave the false impression the president endorsed Rokita's bid for Senate. The Trump campaign has asked the Rokita campaign to take some of these signs down. Uh, Rokita's spokesman hasn't said if they'll comply. There were some uh, shots Friday of some uh, tape, painter's tape being put over part of the sign. Rokita did get an endorsement, we should clarify, from Rex Early and from Tony, the leaders of the Indiana Trump campaign in 2016. We also learned this past week the debate is back on. The final debate in, uh, in the primary cycle, Rokita had originally said he wouldn't take part in the April 30th debate being put on by the Indiana Debate Commission this past week. He changed his mind after telling me a couple weeks ago he hadn't closed the door on it completely. Tony, in an interview a few weeks ago, he said, Why, when I debate these guys when I'm in the lead, now that he is debating, is that a sign that perhaps he's not in the lead right now? No, I think what, what was interesting when he uh, stirred things up by um, uh, deciding that he wasn't probably going to debate, he had good reason because he looks at it, this is a Republican primary, so Republican primary uh, organizations should be the ones conducting this debate and maybe down the road in a general is when this type of debate should take place. But the story kept going, he got a lot of attention for it, and now he's going to uh, look like the winner, I think, by participating in the reasons for his change of heart. I feel like I there's someone here at the table we have not heard from much yet as I'm Democrats watch this. Uh, primary unfold, uh, what is the reaction across the aisle? We're just sitting quietly by, just like I'm doing right here on television this Sunday morning. Um, no, I, I do want to know, Tony, were you out there, like, did you take the signs out and then put the signs back, or, or vice okay, versa? I'd love to talk about this. No, 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 no. Oh, so would Hang I. On. Let, 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 Hang on now. Do. Give me my 30 seconds. Um, and then you can go back to fighting each other for the next however many days. Um, no, I think these are not dirty tricks. Um, that, that, was, that came up a, a little bit ago. This is dirty laundry. This is what happens in a primary. It's what's going happen in the general. So you can look at this as a glass half full or glass half empty. Half empty is y'all are airing your dirty laundry right now, but half full is whoever comes out of this process, we're probably going to know everything about that person as they go into November. Of course, there was the debate last week, a lot of talk about who is standing with the president. Here's how indie star cartoonist Gary Varvel drew up this Senate primary, the candidates all getting a, quote, uh, Trumpian makeover, as he put it there. Meantime, there are new ads on the air this week, including one from the Democrat in this race, Joe Donnelly, not waiting until after the primary to get up on the air. People often ask me, hey, Joe, how do you navigate that mess in Washington? You've got to be willing to drive down to Hoosier Common Sense Middle. All right, so that's Donnelly's new ad, kind of bringing back the Mitch Daniels uh, RV theme. While Rokita has a new ad, he's literally using his opponents as a punching bag. Mike Braun has a new ad where he's uh, literally turning Messer and Rokita into swamp creatures. Uh, worth noting, uh, Messer and Rokita did kind of team up on Braun a few times in that debate last Sunday, Mike. Yeah, they, they are teaming up on him. They're trying to, and maybe that's an indicator that Braun's ahead. I have no idea. But the, the whole idea that anybody in Washington has drained the swamp is complete BS. I mean, what they're doing is they're trading alligators for crocodiles is all they're doing. And, you know, I have 
friends who are lobbyists in Washington, my brothers are lobbyists in Washington, and what they tell me is that business wants certainty. And what has happened in the Trump administration is he's created so much uncertainty, everybody's hiring more lobbyists. They are loving <laughs> A lot it. of lobbyists. Meantime, Vice President Pence is coming here on Thursday, taking part in a discussion on taxes. He'll be at a GOP fundraiser as well. But Politico is reporting the VP will not be weighing in with any kind of uh, endorsement in the Senate race, though a visit uh, to Indiana could potentially be an opportune time to make such an announcement. We'll see. Meantime, the Vice President's brother, Greg Pence, is running for Congress in the 6th District, the seat currently held by Luke Messer. And take a look at this. Tomorrow, Greg Pence will be in New York City at a fundraiser with Donald Trump Jr. So certainly a lot happening uh, in the world of Republican politics here in Indiana. And we haven't even mentioned yet, they announced this past week they'll be back at the State House coming up on May 14th for that one-day special session. So much to talk about. Well, much more on our podcast. Uh, meantime, coming up after the break, we're talking about the life and legacy of Barbara Bush as Hoosiers. Pause to remember the former First Lady. We'll be right back after this. I'm so blessed to be her son. Uh, she taught us to serve others. She taught us to be civil. She taught us to love your family with your heart and soul. The nation stops to remember former First Lady Barbara Bush, laid to rest this weekend in Houston. Remembrances coming in from across the country, including right here in Indiana, from Second Lady Karen Pence. This photo and tweets, she says, when I first met Barbara Bush in 1988, as she entertained spouses of congressional candidates at the VP's residence, her sage advice and words of encouragement touched my life in a profound way. Since becoming second lady, she's become a trusted friend. I will miss her. And this from Surgeon General and former Indiana Health Commissioner Jerome Adams. Rest in peace, Barbara Bush. You were the first famous person I ever personally met back in high school when our choral group sang for you then. And as always, you were kind, funny, and amazing. He writes, God has another angel with him now. We're back to wrap things up right after this. All right, time for this week's Winners and Losers. Jennifer. So my winner is Jim Comey off on his whirlwind book tour. For, for good, bad, or otherwise, he's making headlines. And my loser is all of us uh, for, for losing Barbara Bush. Tony. Winner, Governor Eric Holcomb. Uh, we're going to go on the special session. He's going to get the things done that he couldn't before. Loser, uh, Congressman Messer. He's consistently behind in the polls in third place, and this was just a rough week for him. Joey. The loser's Congressman Rokita. Ah, he's hogtied himself to the president's leg and still got called out by the, uh, by the, uh, by the Trump Mike campaign. Mike, <laughs> Uh, my winner is Jim Parker, the governor's next-door neighbor, who was just named the senior health policy advisor for the secretary of HHS. And my loser has to be all the Republican candidates for U.S. Senate because they all had a bad week. I hope they get some rest this weekend. We'll see you again next Sunday in Focus. Thanks for joining us. Okay, so we're talking on the podcast. Jennifer is talking about how she didn't really get to talk much. Uh, I mean, we have so much to discuss with the primary. I mean, she's sitting over there in the corner. She's reading a book. It's so, rare for, it's so rare for Jennifer not to talk much. It's, oh, I, was I don't have a lot to talk about. And Tony, you guys. I mean, you said you wanted to say more about the campaign sign issue because we were talking about <laughs> some of the news that came yes, up. Yes, Tony, go ahead. Friday. Tell us more about the campaign sign uh, issue. There were some pictures that emerged of... of uh, painter's tape going up over part of the sign. <laughs> well, that's that's um, kind of silly. I don't think they had. They need to change anything, and here's why. Uh, Rex and I, when we made the endorsement, uh, gave the heads up that we were uh, making the endorsement to both the campaign and the White House Political Affairs, the person that I work with uh, at White House Political Affairs, and got no pushback. 
um, the AP article on the signs came out, or, or I'm, I'm sorry, on the endorsement came out and went statewide and, and a lot of other coverage. But that AP article was like two paragraphs on our endorsement. And then this story on the signs comes out and it's, it's uh, significantly longer, there's more to it. But it's another opportunity for voters to see the endorsement from Rex and I and also to see that we made it clear that we were not speaking for the president or the White House or the campaign. So, uh, and then the second part is the signs were consistent with what our endorsement was. It clearly says 2016 Indiana team leaders. Absolutely nothing wrong with the wording on the signs, but the Messer campaign has complained to someone on the uh, uh, political staff on the campaign, national campaign for, for uh, Trump-Pence, and they felt like they had to, uh, you know, say something. Uh, I don't know what the end result's going to be. We've got two weeks left. The signs are, you know, around the, I think they're up around the state. The, so I don't know what they're going to do. Joey, is, uh, yeah. Uh, Mike, well, well yeah, this just comes back to the word, to the, the, the concept of judgment. I mean, the sign judgment, you know, um, I would, if I were Akita, I would not have used the word endorse, but he did, and that's, you know, you have to judge him for his judgment. Uh, you know, is that any different from Luke Messer driving into a 10-foot hole or having to be helped out of a 10-foot hole? I mean, they both dug a hole for themselves, right? So nice. to speak. Um, but I tell you, if you don't use the word endorsement, I think you're fine to say, you know, Rokita Trump or whatever. When I ran in 2004, Mitch Daniels was running, all my signs said Murphy Daniels. I didn't say he was endorsed me. I just said Murphy Daniels. In 19, I got the idea from 1934 when Lyndon Johnson ran to defeat an incumbent in the Democratic primary. He had all his yard signs say Johnson Roosevelt. And he won the primary. Oh, yard signs. Yeah. I oh, think yard, it's just yard signs don't vote, but they sure do use the they, don't, they don't vote. But I just, I think the, the headlines, and I understand, the, the as you kind of laid out the, the history there, I understand where, where everybody's coming from on it. I just think it's, it's so unhelpful to the Rogita campaign that, I mean, as he's, you know, put, putting on the hat, which I don't think he actually wears hats. By the way, just kind of from the way from the way that way he did way Are we he did that. That's, that is that is apropos of nothing. But you know, as he as he's as he's putting on the hat and the whole deal, and then to be called out by the national campaign, we're like yeah, take those down, please. Yeah, it, it, just, it wasn't a big call fun. out. I, I got a text, and I told uh, the person that texted me, "Here's who you talk to," because it wasn't my idea. I didn't know about that they were putting our endorsement on the yard signs, and. Um, I'm not part of the campaign, uh, not getting paid by the campaign, don't want to get paid by the campaign. Uh, so I put them in touch. They had a conversation that I, I'm not sure exactly what was said, and that was really it. And this is the Messer folks blowing this up, and, you know, they, they, they got uh, some press out of it, so uh, that's going to happen, but it really wasn't that big a deal. But a lot of the back and forth this week has been Messer and Rokita. I mean, on this it, show, we've yes. had a, a, a Rokita supporter, a Messer supporter. Braun has stayed a little bit more quiet this week, although he did have to deal with that story uh, late in the week, uh, dealing uh, with his business practices. Um, is he in the lead right now? I know there was a poll that came out this week that we didn't mention it on the show yeah, because it's it hard to tell exactly what that poll is saying because we're not sure if, if, if the poll suggested that all of the voters polled what their preference was in the Republican primary, and that would not necessarily... That's right. The poll was worthless. I'm glad nobody's reporting on it, because what the poll did was it qualified the respondents only by their plans to vote in their general election. 
So Jennifer, if she doesn't like Messer, and she Jennifer, who said, is on the show this week. Yeah, I am. Right? I am still here. Jennifer, by the way, in case anyone was wondering, yeah, <laughs> if she doesn't like <laughs> Luke Messer, she could say she was for Braun or for Rakita to try to shift the poll against Messer. But Braun uh, did have the lead in that poll for whatever it's worth. Uh, he did. Which is not. I, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Here's the it's thing. Worth anything. But. You guys, you guys, I'm pointing to Tony and Joey, you Rakita and Messer people, would not be out there going crazy after Braun in the debate or otherwise if there wasn't something telling you that he was a viable threat. Well, look, I think each of, when I say, when I say us, and no, I won't, now that I think, you are through, now that, no, I think, that, I think that I think through that, through that more, the Rokita campaign, the Messer campaign have both spent two and a half-ish million dollars each, I think, to, 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 the, to this point. Uh, in the campaign, Rokita's numbers haven't moved, in, you know, a, a lot in in that period of time. Messers continue to come up. Braun, who came from, you know, let's see, a one a one term, two term state rep, and one and zero uh, name ID, just one about zero. A true outsider, but, but you might even say. I would not say uh, <laughs> because he, he spent four million dollars, right, and is. Hired a really fantastic ad agency. I think we all the, we, the all, Trump we all ad we, agency, we, by the way. we all we all agree. <laughs> Irony. One of them. Yeah. Right. He he comes up, he comes out spends all spends all this money, but he still is going to have to answer. There's uh, you know in the teens days left here. I don't have my clock in front of me. Right for how many days we have. So we've got two weeks left. Um, I, I think the point is going to be made crystal clear that Mike Brown was a Democrat. And that yeah. there are other, and that there are other problems, and I think that when when all Voted that is taken Democratic together, primaries, um, I think that yeah. which you know sure. by definition I think makes makes one a Democrat. But it doesn't and get him off the Republican primary ballot. Yeah, his explanation days. that he and voted locally in Democrat. Yeah, but I, do right. people That's care one, as and, much and, about that? Donald I'll Trump in. used to be a Democrat too, and he's the president of the United States. Well, well, so is Ronald Reagan. Well, well, there's there's no real comparing Donald Trump and and Mike Braun. Although Mike Braun wants to say that there is, Mike Braun had no name ID, like Joey said and is essentially trying to buy this election. That's right. And when you do that, um, you, you, and you try to say that you're the most with Trump, you have to look back at just, you know, less than two years ago, what did you do for Trump, okay? He didn't do anything for Trump. I know, I, I, I know, Rex and I know who was with us and who wasn't with us. But like, I did. Like Luke Messer, and, and others that just didn't, that sat on the sidelines. The other way to tell is, he's spending $4 million on TV, did he contribute to Donald Trump? Has he contributed to Republicans throughout his, you know, last 10, 20 years? We had a fundraiser down in Evansville uh, in his neck of the woods, and, and he wasn't there, and he didn't contribute. So many aspects of this uh, Senate race that we'll continue to discuss here on the podcast and on In Focus. Thank you so much for being with us this week. We'll see you again next Sunday. In Focus.